Hello, everyone, and welcome to PRT. That's Paranormal Roundtable. I'm your host, Josh Turner, also known as Wolf. Uh, with me today is a special guest, but uh, also my uh, my nephew and, and short short time co-host, technician slash producer, producer, producer even yeah. lesser co-host. Yeah, pain in the butt. Um, and anyways, yeah, that guy. So Taskmaster. He, yes, absolutely. He comes on and, and forces me to do this. Um, so, yeah, what we got tonight, it, it, it's, I've been looking forward to this. This guy, if you don't know who he is, you will. Um, he's got a show, and we're going to get into that. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff that has happened to him and what, what led him into this and, and all that. But first, prtpodcast.com. That's the website, prtpodcast.com. And then Josh Turner, prtpodcast.com. That's the email address, Josh Turner, prtpodcast.com. Uh, uh, so what, what we're going to talk about tonight um, is going to be a variety of things. Um, and we, I want you guys to know that we do a Tuesday live stream and Jason Bland, my guest, was on that Tuesday live stream for a little while and we were talking uh, on Tuesday. Now, a lot of you listen to us on, on different platforms and you don't listen to us on the live stream. Uh, well, that's that's your bad. You miss out on a lot of great content, a lot of great stories. Yeah, we call y'all second class citizens. Second class, you're right. You? right. The proletariat, the plebeians, Ple- the the, ple- <laughs> the plebs. So what what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to YouTube and go and start listening to the live streams. So you won't be left out. All right, and then you won't you, you know you so what you got when Jason came on on Tuesday was just a little taste of what we were going to be doing. We had Albert Rosales on. Albert's going to be coming on. We're going to do a show with him soon. And he's going to, you know, talk about all the things that he's got, you know, his, the books he's written. Um, PRT has multiple groups on Facebook. The largest being Paranormal Roundtable group. Now we're going to put this like we do with all of the shows. We're going to put this um, on the Paranormal Roundtable group. On Facebook, we're going to put the link on there. You go and you leave a comment on there. Doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's not foul. Um, you could say, "Man, your show really needs uh, some work," or "Your show is really great, it's really awesome," and we'll send you a free book if you're chosen. More than likely, the people—and I'm not the one that chooses it—but more than likely, the people that choose aren't going to pick you if you say the show sucks. So I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Anthony's laughing. That's not very nice. That's, yeah. So we, we, we'll, we'll probably uh, kick you out of the group, and then you'll never be heard from again. But in all honesty, uh, you, I'm up for criticism or whatever. But you know, don't don't uh, come on there slamming me publicly and telling me how sorry I am. Okay, There's a I already way. know this, folks. Right? Jeez. There's a way to talk to people. Yeah, you can you can tell me in private how bad I am. So anyway, the the point is is that we have that group. We have the Paranormal Roundtable, uh, uh, Paranormal Encounters Mushu's group, which is uh, Tony. And then we have uh, Paranormal, uh, Paranormal Lounge, which is and Nelly's. The Paranormal uh, prayer, group, prayer Group, yeah. which is Nelly's group that she started for people with all the prayer requests they had. So that, that's where that goes. So that goes there. And then we have uh, Whisper to a Scream. And, and we, we have a bunch of, there's, I'm an admin and a couple others. And so so we got all these different groups. Go join them, folks. They're they're there. There's a lot of cool stuff on there. We recently got a, a, a somebody sent a picture, a really cool video of a dog that's uh, it, it looks like he's in a dog run or something. And there's another dog that runs by it, and you can see through the dog, the second dog, and it is in a weird, 
really weird footage. I, I don't know what that is, but it was everybody was kind of freaking out about it. And it was from a, I'm a listener. Um, we get all kinds of stuff. Send me your email uh, uh, through email. You can send me your stories or you can send them through Messenger. Now, if you want to be a friend of mine on Facebook, like I've said a million times before, please leave me a message saying that you're a listener. Because if you don't, I, I hate having to go through and go, are you a listener of PRT? Because I don't know who you are. Um, and so you want to send a story. Messenger is one way to do it. And it, and it you know works pretty good. Um, I try to get to people as quick as I can. Uh the other thing I was going to talk about uh, real quickly is if anybody wanted to donate to the Hendersons, that's still an option um, that, you know, they're trying to recoup their money from the loss of Johnny Henderson, who was a colleague of mine. Uh, so there's that. And if you're will, if you, if you're somebody who wants to partner up with the action figure line that we're creating, that's another, that's another thing. If you want to be a part of it and help out, you know, then uh, by all means get in touch with me. Um, it's me, Lyle Blackburn, Ken Gerhard, um, and uh, Barton Nunley so far uh, as of this, as of this, at the time of this recording. Um, now, here's the thing. I want to introduce Jason, and then Jason, you, you have a show, you do, okay? And uh, you're the host of Paranormal Soup, correct? Correct. Correct. Yeah, and 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 people, and, and I tell you right now, he's a very underrated and and unsung hero in this field. I have watched Jason's shows for a while, and uh, I absolutely adore it. It's a great show. It's a cool platform. You let people call in. You have really good guests, and you're you're sharp as a tack. You're smart as a whip. And uh, talking to you, I mean, it's like you articulate very well. You were born for for podcasting. Now, folks, if you haven't heard of this guy, I'm telling you, right now, Josh Turner, he, his is probably my favorite podcast. Um, well, I, I have to say, this, it's not a podcast. This is going, yeah, it's going out to the podcast world. You would have to check me out live or watch the old shows on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, I have not gotten in the podcast world, and I, that's probably hurt me getting exposed out there. But I enjoy live radio. I always have. I was a big Art Bell fan, and uh, so I enjoy being live. And I first thing I set out to do is to set up a way for people to call in. Um, just because I wanted that interaction and uh, a forum for people to tell their stories. Yeah. I I think I first heard I, one of the, no, I'm not, that wasn't the first time I heard you, but I think one of the best shows was when you had L.A. Marzulli on there. Yeah. 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 And I, I fought hard to get that. <laughs> yeah. He's not, he's not easy. I mean, you got to go he through the not. gatekeeper. He only gave me an hour too. He said, you, you get an hour. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And, and he's somebody I haven't even gotten, but I haven't tried yet, but there are certain people you have to go through gatekeepers, you know, and he's one. Yeah, of them. they have publicists a lot of times that deal with it. Not always, but a lot of more often than not. And uh, they'll they'll send your info, and they'll see if he if he accepts or not. And a lot of times it has to do how long you're going to do the show, what's the interview, and they'll give you their criteria. And mo mo you know, Ellie was awesome. Still, one hour, I'll take it. He was an awesome guest. Yeah, and he and he's got some really cool stuff. Um, but you know, here here's the thing. We're going to start off asking you some questions. And then this isn't an interview. This is a discussion. I don't do interviews. Oh, because yeah. The interviews are like, hey, you know, what's Remember up? Remember that time? 
Remember that time when you did that? Yeah, it was really cool. Was stupid, stupid. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> like, like, like when, you know, Chris Farley. Oh, man. He slaps Inside himself with people. the. Yeah, it's a, it's a Chris Farley skit where he slaps himself in the head with the cards and he's reading off of them. And they're just <laughs> looking at him like, well, me and Jason were talking about that. Like, some people. That's how they interview. <laughs> so it's not, it's not good. It's not pretty. I've I've watched uh, Ken Gerhard be interviewed, and it was painful. I was just sitting there at the Witty Museum. I was going like, "Oh my uh, gosh, it was horrible." I've done my I, I've done my fair share of painful interviews yeah. where I've interviewed somebody and totally blew it. So I'm I'm, I'm guilty. I mean, yeah. The, the, the well, I, the one time, the first time I interviewed David Weatherly, and, and I was so stoked that when we started talking, I started talking too much and i kind of and then later i apologized to him and david's such a nice guy that. he's just like oh no that's okay you know and but you know he was probably sitting there going like man this guy's you know who's interviewing who you know and then i felt bad in the audience a couple people let me have it about that but uh david has a lot of, of great information you know but luckily he came on the live stream a couple times and he'll come back he's he's writing all these books uh he's doing all oh, 50 yeah. states yeah but uh, so, Jason, let's start with the beginning for you. Now, you, how did you get into this? Tell me. Uh, well, I, I grew up weird. That's how I only I'm wired weird, as I tell people. I've had uh, paranormal experiences from my earliest memories. Um, the one I always start with, usually telling people, is the one that I knew was paranormal when it happened, even though I didn't really understand that term at that time. I was five years old uh, with my cousin Phil, and uh, we were only a month apart. And uh, I call this the green floaty head experience. And I, I like to get this out there because I've only, and I'll get to this part of the story, run across somebody once that really experienced anything remotely close to what I saw and witnessed. And I luckily had a witness was my cousin, even though we're both five, uh, he, we, he remembers it and witnessed it as well. Uh, we were staying the night at his uh, mother's boyfriend's house. And I remember that day we were outside playing in a, um, uh, a ditch of all places. And his mom comes running out, finds us all muddy. I, I remember that day well, and we got in big trouble and, Later that night, they made us go to bed, and I remember laying, uh, laying in bed, and I could hear this whimpering, like a cry, like somebody, like I thought it was his mom crying. And you know, as you're five years old, I can't remember the exact words that I was saying at that time, uh, but I do, I know, remember trying to, you know, ask my cousin, you know, is your mom crying? Is that your mom? And he's like, what are you talking about? And like, you didn't hear anything, and it started to get louder. And it started to turn into more like a wailing, like somebody like in the throes of just complete misery. Like if you can imagine what a woman would sound like who lost her child. Um, and as it started to really get – I'm like, okay, how is he not hearing this? Uh, you know, it There was this poof, and this green head came out of the wall by the door. It, it just it came popping out of the corner. Uh, to my right, and it came flying out of the room. I, my I remember my cousin screaming. I don't know how the, the, these things happen to kids, and they'll scream, and you'll have these memories. I'll tell people, and like, but my parents never heard it. His his mother, her boyfriend, never heard us. Um, I'm sure I was screaming. It, it's hard to remember it all. I just have the visual, and that, and the, the the all I can remember is the visual and the audio of her wailing. That's all I can get out of my mind from this experience. Um, but this green floating head, it was a woman's like face, but in what it reminded me of was the wicked witch of the West from the wizard of Oz. And ever since then I've been 
I, you know, when I was, I would see that movie as a kid, as a teenager, and I always got a little chill. I always got a little chill from it because I always thought of the the green floating head whenever I'd see the Wicked Witch in the scenes. Um, so this thing's flying around the room. It's literally like doing circles around the room, wailing, making this screaming noise. And my uh, cousin throws the blanket up over him, and I crawl under it. And then I heard the wailing stop. And I don't know how long we waited there under the blanket. I, I just remember us breathing really heavily <laughs> and trying to not to breathe like, it won't find us if it can't hear us breathe, right? Um, and eventually I remember just, okay, I don't hear it. I feel like I'm safe. And I, I remember going to grab the blanket and start to lift it up. And a little bit of light from the window was shining. It was moonlight that night. Uh, you, you know, It was enough to light the room. It wasn't pitch dark in there. Um I remember lifting up the blanket just a little bit and my cousin noticed. He's like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, I still kept doing it. I didn't listen. And I pulled the blanket up over my head and I looked out and I hear it like back just like it was, but in full force, screaming, wailing, and it's shooting down at me. <laughs> I throw the blanket over my head, but that was it for my cousin. He jumped off the bed and I, and he, with the blanket on top of him that I'm trying to clutch onto and then drags me off the bed, I go flowing onto the floor and roll over and he's already at the door, like trying to get it open. And I'm exposed with this thing wailing, just circling around me. Just, it's just like doing a circle. And, uh, I go crawling like really fast and get under the blanket and I'm holding on my cousin who I can hear him rattling with the door and panicking and panicking, trying to get open and screaming, mom, mom, mom. And, uh, he somehow he gets the door up. I don't know what was impeding him. I mean, being five years old, maybe it's hard to reach. You know, I have a five year old right now. Um, he gets the door open and goes running out the hall. By then, I guess his parents heard us, or his mom and his, her boyfriend. And they, I remember them flipping on the light in the hallway and going, "What is going on?" And I, as little kids, I, we were probably blabbing off all kinds of things. I remember saying, "Green floating head," you know. Um, and his mom and her boyfriend go in there and flip on the light, and there's nothing there. Fast forward um, to when we were 13. Now, I, all my life, never let go of that experience. I, I knew what I saw was extraordinary, and what grown-ups been telling me isn't the whole truth, that we don't know the reality of our experience. We, there's much more to it than anything. I, I, I became fascinated with, like, Ghostbusters. and I mean, I, I, it propelled my interest for sure, um, like Ghostbusters, Slimer. You know, the green floating Slimer thing. I was totally fascinated. Here these guys capture it and put it away. I wanted to be a Ghostbuster, you know. I even put up – I was like eight years old and got in trouble because I was putting up flyers around the, <laughs> the neighborhood uh, <laughs> with my with my mom's phone number with the Ghostbuster thing I drew saying, call us if you have a ghost. How old oh, were yeah, you when you did that? that? I think it was seven or eight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that didn't go over well with my mom when she found out. People just calling um, up the house. Nobody called, luckily. I don't think. <laughs> that would have been weird. They'd have been like, hey. Yeah. Some yeah. Creeper. My mom was really worried because she actually had a horror. She had her own. She had a horrifying experience with somebody who stalked called her and like threatened to kill us. Oh, my God. So giving the phone number out was like really traumatic for her. Uh, but anyways, that's a whole other story. Um, so when we were, I was 13, I remember um, me and my cousin would sneak off into our uh, – uh, crawl space to like do stuff we probably shouldn't. Uh, but a lot of times we were like building a fort in there. Even at 13, we had this fort we built in there like when we were like eight or nine. And we were just sitting in there rem reminiscing and then about stuff because, you know, we're 13 and we're talking about what bands we like. He was like into Megadeth. I was, you know, into Nirvana. And, um, 
he goes, you know, we're talking and uh, I go, or I said to him, I go, you remember the green floating head? It just came to me to bring it up. And I've never seen somebody turn that white that quick. He just got so pale and he looked at me and goes, what do you mean? I said, the green floating head we saw when we were little kids. He goes, I thought that was a dream. I go, no, buddy. I was there with you. Not a dream. We we both didn't share a dream. We both saw it. He goes, I remember you in it, but I thought that was just a dream. I go, it wasn't a dream. (laughs) I was there and I never let go of it. So it made me realize something that a lot of people have could have these experiences as children and not think about it because they write it off as a dream or their, their, their best way of coping with it. It was, it was just a dream, especially if they have it alone. I held onto the fact that my cousin saw it with me and we were wide awake and I didn't let go, you know, and that, that shaped my experience. Now I had a lot of other weird experiences. I didn't understand were weird at the time. Like I talked to my mom's, um, I, my half sister that was, um, my mom miscarried at eight months. Didn't know. I thought she was a real little girl <laughs> I was talking to. And I was probably only, you know, about four, three or four. And I remember it. My mom, I would, I could remember stuff from when I couldn't even really speak. Honestly, my memory goes back probably when I was seven or eight months. My mom, or even younger than that, <laughs> my mom just thinks I'm crazy, but I'm like, I tell her stuff. She's like, there's no way you can remember that. Uh, but I do. And uh, with my cousin, you know, he wrote that off as a dream. I remember it as real. It shaped everything. But I, this little girl I talked to, I didn't know. <laughs> I thought she was a girl that lived in the apartment complex that we lived in. Uh, and then one day my mom tells me a story. Um, I was probably just a teenager. I'd been around 13 probably when my mom finally told me this about she went to this psychic. Because around the age of 13, I was probably really asking a lot of questions and stuff. And me and my cousin Phil would get those unexplained mystery books, you know, where they were like these silver encyclopedia-like books, you know, like abduct, alien abduction, ghost book, you know, all that. We How to astral travel. I, was, I thought all that stuff was so fascinating. And uh, so I had a lot of questions. My mom told me about a time she went to this local psychic. And uh, the psychic told her all kinds of things. My mom worked in a hospital as a respiratory therapist. And she told her about patients that were said their names and they were thankful for her help. I mean, stuff this lady couldn't know. She even told her that she would marry a clean-shaven guy who was an electrician that was gla- gla- would wear glasses and, you know, be about six foot tall. And my my stepdad is about just dead on that description. Uh, but she also goes to my mom. She goes, "Oh, and the little girl your son talks to." And my mom's like, "What?" Because the only person she knew about this. Because I would always say, "Bye, little girl." Because I remember being in her apartment playing. Um. My mom just froze. She goes, what do you mean, little girl? She goes, little girl your son talks to. She goes, yeah, how do you know about that? You know, (laughs) I guess you're psychic. And uh, the lady goes, little girl is your daughter you miscarried. And your son sees her and talks to her. I remember a little girl. I thought there was a little boy I played with too. I always played with him outside and she would be there too sometimes. Um, But he never came inside. But she did. My mom goes, yeah, well, you never had a kid play inside our apartment. All the parents were scared of each other in this place, and you know that wouldn't happen. I'm like, I remember the little girl in the apartment. And she's like, no, there was no little girl in the apartment. And she's like, how could you remember that? You were so young. I'm like, no, I do. I remember playing with the little girl. She goes, well, the little girl was what this the psychic said was your unborn half-sister. Wow. So I've had, I've had weird experiences all my life. That was, those are the earliest memories. How many siblings do you have now? I have zero that I uh, know. 
Uh, I have a bastard father. It's somewhere in Texas. So uh, that probably has I probably have other siblings. I found out I have a older half brother um, that I wasn't able to connect with that I never met uh, in Boston. And then I know I never knew her name, but I have a half sister that was born somewhere in Texas. But never knew her name. Just got that through my uncle who had brief contact with my dad who totally ditched down everything. Um, so I probably have siblings, but zero that I know of. Well, that that's I, that actually I'm why I got to. in touch with you, Jason, because I am your father. <laughs> I'm in touch. No, it can't be. <laughs> it's not true. It can't be. Unless you had me when you were four. <laughs> I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> why do you fine. think we both have the interest in the paranormal and other types of stuff? Welcome to Plus, the dark. My side. father looks pretty much just like me from everybody's told me all my life, which is pretty hard to tell a kid that hates his father. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You, you know, could have been like me and you hate your dad and you don't get along with him and, and you just I didn't know him, did not get along, just hate uh, him because he left. Yeah, because he left. I knew mine and mine sucked. You know, physically yeah. My dad probably did me a favor by leaving. Sometimes I have to look at it. Look at the bright side. It could right? have been worse. I mean, yeah. Right. Well, you know, at, le- at least you turned out uh, weird. That's a good thing, yeah. you know, because yeah. I'm weird too. I mean, uh, here, here's here's a story. Me and Jason, I already told Jason this. Me and Jason were talking on the phone the other night. And, uh, of course, we ended up with this long conversation because me and Jason click, you know. Um, from the first time I listened to your show, I was like, I like this guy. I like your style. I like the way you do your, you know, everything. You just, it's just, you're sharp. And I like smart people. Um, and I reached out and I said, man, you know, you you know, we should do a collaboration, you know, and we've been talking back and forth about it for a while, but Jason is like me. He's busy as heck. He runs a full-time, his full-time job. He's very busy and, and he's a dad. And so he's got all these things going on. And so I got all these things going on. We finally got it together. So anyway, me and Jason were talking the other night. Uh, this was probably what, a couple nights before the live stream, I think. Um, last, yeah. You know, and Jason, when you told me that story about the green floating head, we, we started talking about synchronicities. Well, one of the synchronicities is the day before you told me the story of the green, of the green floating head, um, the first time we, we talked, we talked, we had like one yeah. conversation, then we had another conversation, and then, and not talking about messengers and all that, I'm talking about when we no, were no, talking, talking we were on the phone. we had two conversations, one was kind of short, one was pretty long, and then we had the conversation on the live stream. Right before you told me about the green floating head the first time, I had had a story given to me about a floating head um, that was red, and it left almost like a comet streak behind it, which was weird. And I'll tell this real quick. It's not it's not a real long story. These people from Atlanta. Yeah, I want to hear. And and so they were from Atlanta, and they were at they had a jacuzzi, and then when they bought this house, it came didn't have a pool, but it had a a, a jacuzzi. And uh, so they, they were out in it, sitting in it, and they had uh, two two children. I think one was 14 and 12. I went back and looked. And the, the, the 12-year-old's like, what is that? And he said there was something coming through the privacy fence. Now, the privacy fence they had was actually, you know how when, when people put the stains on the privacy fence and it almost looks kind of reddish brown or whatever? Yeah. Um, you It was that color. And it was coming through the fence, and they were like, they just saw what, it just kind of looked like a face forming, and then it came out, like, pretty quickly, and it was just like, it was a woman's uh, head, and, and it was, it it shot out from the privacy fence, it went right into, like, the doghouse was right there, so then it kind of went down into the doghouse, and then came out of the doghouse. The, the parents 
I believe they thought because they looked at it coming out of the doghouse. So they thought it was coming out of their doghouse and they had no idea where their dog had gone. The dog had gotten out and was gone. And then the, 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 but the youngest kid, the child, he said he saw it go kind of down into the doghouse from the neighbor's yard. And I don't know if it was something the neighbors were doing, they conjured something up or what, but it was red and it was very weird. And I was like, and then the next day you told me about that. And I was like, wow, that is weird because I just got this story and that's the only, uh, as as far as I know, you and, and then them, that's the only floating head story I'd ever gotten. And But that was also uh, kind of uh, thrown in there. Uh, that wasn't all that had happened at that place or, yeah. or, or to, the, to that family. That was all that had happened to them at that particular house. But they had some other stuff that had gone on at, at another place. So I went back and looked at my notes and they, and, and it was quite a bit and they had moved because of this other stuff that was going on at this other place. And they had lived in Savannah, Georgia, and they had moved from Savannah to Atlanta. That's what it was. And then that they saw that and they were like, oh my gosh. So they think that it was something that tried to attach itself to like the, the youngest son. Um, and then of course there again, there was a psychic that was involved and they were, the psychic said that he had something from a past life that was following him. Um, that he had done something bad in the past life and that the, this entity was uh, vengeful-minded. And they were like, wow, that's weird. And and so the dad, he had told me he really didn't believe it. And uh, he had told me and years ago, I guess he had worked uh, for a baseball, like a minor league baseball team. He did something for them. I don't know exactly what it was. Um, but but he didn't, get, he didn't go into specifics. He didn't play, but he worked for some organization. And so anyways, he was telling me about it. And he said that he goes, I didn't believe that. I was like, this is nonsense. And they got in touch with me through uh, through a listener, uh, one of their cousin, the the wife's cousin, um, and and his cousin's wife basically listens listened to my show and said, hey, there's this guy that's got a show. You should check it out. Maybe you should you tell him about your story. Well, there was more. There was a lot of other stuff that went on. So I'm eventually going to get into that on the show at some point, but not tonight. But that is weird because we had talked about that, and then. Okay, so then this thing goes and it flies across the yard, um, not like super fast, like zipping around or anything. Yeah. And it just kind of floated onto the other side, and it and it let out this kind of wail, but it was not real loud. It was kind of like a soft wail, like you know. And uh, that's interesting. And it just went and it looked like a woman's head. It was just so weird. It was but it bizarre. was red and it wailed. Yeah. So that, I'll take that because I've searched for stories like this through mythology, and that I, I wondered if it was a banshee. Because one of the things I didn't mention was when I was talking to my cousin about this, um, he mentioned he never remembered the wailing. He doesn't remember her ma- making any sound. Yeah, and uh, he's on my mother's side, um, but on my uh, dad's side is my great great grandfather. Uh, Kelly, uh, last name Kelly, well, that's, moved that's from Irish. Ireland. Yeah. yeah, and moved here, married a full-blooded Cherokee woman um, somewhere around in the 40s. And um, I wondered if it's that Irish heritage, because it's not that far from me. This was my great-great-grandfather mm-hmm. uh, that was full-blooded Irish. So, And I don't know much about my family's side. You know, There could be other people in my family who have seen this. I've tried to reach out, but it's hard. I don't know a lot of people in that family. My aunt, she introduced me to another cousin who knows a lot of family history, and he said he'd see if he could find anything, never heard anything. Um, and this is something who's going to talk about, right? 
So I've always been inter- interested in a number of things when it comes to paranormal generational hauntings, um, the Irish mythologies went because of this experience. Um, you know, you want to talk about synchronicity is the first ghost hunt I ever went on. My mom bought me and my wife, um, they were like an extracurricular course for Purdue North Central uh, for paranormal study. And I met my first like mentor as a paranormal investigator, a guy named Mike McDowell, who had an organization called Indiana Ghost Trackers. Well, he was teaching this college class, and the end of the college classes, we got to go on a ghost hunt. And uh, he took us to this bar that had a uh, uh, what should we call it a um, a ballroom. They had a mm-hmm. ballroom attached to rent out for stuff, and they had weird activity and stuff. Nothing major happened that night. So we all go down to the bar afterwards and are having drinks and talking. And I'm sta- I'm telling somebody there about my green floating head story, why I'm into the paranormal, right? And this is a long time ago. This is like 2008, um, or maybe 2007. And I'm telling it, and Mike McDowell said, he goes, everybody quiet. Everybody be quiet. He goes, what were you just talking about, Jason? And I tell him, I'm talking about my green floating head experience I had and why I get at the paranoia. He goes, he goes, this woman over here just was talking about a green floating head a few minutes ago. And so he goes, okay, nobody else talk. All right, Jason, you tell your story, and then she's going to tell hers, and then let's compare. So I tell my story, you know, everything I just told you guys. And then she tells hers when she was a little girl, about five years old, and uh, she had heard some crying or moaning. And she went, got out of her bed and went to her parents' room to find out what. And then the crying went away. But by the time, well, by the time she made it to her parents' room, but when she looked into the door, her dad was asleep, and there was this green floating woman's head floating above him. Wow! And she ran back to her room, jumped under her covers, and that was it. And I asked her, "Do you have Irish heritage?" She goes, "Oh yeah, we're a lot of Irish in our family." I go, "Okay, well maybe you know I don't know if what I experience is a banshee. There's banshees can come in a lot of different uh, forms and a lot of different meanings and stuff. And I, I've had somebody tell me it's a puka, which is another uh, creature. Uh, but what got me down that, that studying that stuff led me to the role uh, of understanding." different mythologies just besides uh, Irish legends, Islamic legends and Chinese Eastern legends and all these, I started getting really interested in the connections between these different mythologies of creatures, jinn, fairies, um, you know, all the different, the, the, you know, these people be like demons, you know, or whatever, <laughs> they get classified later. Uh, but you know, all these different experiences that people had across the world that are so similar to each other, uh, and wondering what that is. And so I always had that interest from my green floating head and trying to figure out what it was. Um, so that was the first, like I said, instance that woke me at a very early age that the reality is not what everybody thinks it is. And there's a lot more we don't understand. So I was pretty open to things and I was considered a weird kid in grade school. <laughs> I was called a mad scientist. Um, and I, I always loved space stuff and aliens and all that too. But you know, the alien stuff we can talk about later, that doesn't happen until later. Um, but what happened to me later in my life, being the weird kid, everybody in my high school knew I was the weird kid that was into ghosts and hauntings. I was part of a TV class, uh, for, uh, two semesters or actually two almost a year and a half. I was part of a TV class at the high school offered. And a lot of times I spent taking cameras out to go to haunted lo- local locations and try to capture stuff. And everybody would tell me their ghost stories in school. Everybody knew I was the ghost kid. I was the kid that was into the weird stuff. They also believed in aliens and all that stuff. And, um, I ended up, you know, me and my, a buddy of mine, 
uh, had this experience and a couple other people involved too. When I was 17, I guess we should get into this because this kind of shapes everything and my kind of theory of the paranormal mm-hmm. in a sense, at least when it comes to hauntings and other experiences that people have. Um, it, this is written out in total in a book called uh, by Mike Ricksecker, Paranormal Encounters, Volume 2. It's the longest story in there. It's about 50 pages long. Well, the others consist of about a couple pages. I felt bad. It's like, sorry, Mike. I didn't know. <laughs> I went too long, but I couldn't. I had to get it out. It's a very personal story. Uh, what happened to me, this shadow, what I call shadow person, uh, really put me to the brink. And it took me a long time to be able to talk about it. Like I talk about now, I'm not scared to talk about the parent. I, I share all the time. I'm probably annoying my guest on my show because I always compare their experiences and then add my experience to compare. But that's just how I am because that's I'm looking for answers. Yeah. So at 17, when this all started, I went to a party on Halloween, of course. Um, there was no, no, that was it was near Halloween, but there was a, I, I don't know. Was it Halloween? It wasn't Halloween. No, it was the day after Halloween when we went back. Sorry. Um, there was, this was near a, a dance at the school. I remember that. And I didn't want to go to it. All the other kids were too cool to go to it. Decided to go to this bonfire out in the woods behind this, this bowling alley. Um, by this bowling alley is a set of tracks that run, run about, I would say, I don't know eight blocks away from it, but it's just open field. And then there's these tracks and there's a bridge that goes, there's a road that goes under that bridge. And then those tracks keep going. And then the, the, the land dips straight down like a huge hill that goes down and there's a bridge there. And there's another set of tracks that go under it. So there's cross tracks there with this bridge and the tracks that run under it. I've never been there before. And, um, I went out there, people told me where to find it. I walked out there by myself uh, I had to find the trail. I could hear the music and stuff. How cops never busted this, I don't know. Um, but kids would go party out there, I found. And oh, they were partying. And I didn't like it. Uh, I was like, I went there to meet my friend Lance. And uh, he wasn't there yet. But all these kids were partying in the wo- woods, you know. There are drugs there. There was, uh, you know, they were doing night, they had nitrous tanks there. I'm like, oh my God, this is out of control. Uh, it wasn't like I was a goody two shoes kid. I wasn't, you know, but um, I was smart too. I was paranoid. <laughs> I'm like, this is how all horror movies go bad. Like out in the middle of the woods doing a bunch of illicit drugs, <laughs> you know, with a bunch of hippies. Mm-hmm. This is when you know, Jason comes out of the woods in the mask <laughs> and starts chopping people. So I was a little bit nervous. I'll, I'll just put that right out there. Um, I was also a musician and I, I played in bands and a lot of people knew me from that. Uh, but I really was always, you know, I picked my friends wisely. I was an acquaintance with everybody, had very few friends because uh, I didn't trust people. Uh, so I was waiting for my friend Lance and somebody hands me a guitar like, come on, man, join the, the, the jam session. You know, they were doing this whole jam session. And I had just picked up uh, an acoustic, an acoustic version of This is the End by the Doors. <laughs> And I started playing it, and there's a guy on Congo's beating away, and I, the, uh, the fire's raging, and there's actually the part – this part of the song just takes off. I like just do a little bit of what I could remember of the song, and then everybody just starts going to a jam session like it's a fish concert. And um, I'm not that much of into hippie music you know, like that, so I just went along with it, and um, I'm jamming on the guitar, and then this train comes. 
and it's on that that top set of tracks and it's coming up over that bridge and we can see it out in the distance the light and it's loud horn is honking as it comes and it comes roaring by and the music's just crescendos and everybody's like wow that's perfect timing (laughs) like everybody's laughing and having a good time and i notice i'm playing i stop playing when i notice this but they're all keep going i saw like a seven foot tall shadow step between one tree and walk just looked like it was just a person walking but tall as hell and step over to another tree and i got this really and the reason i looked up if i remember back right is i got a really weird feeling and i looked up and i saw this i'm like okay that's odd and at that time i thought i'm done with this party (laughs) i'm gonna go uh, screw my friend. He's not here. And I get up ready to leave. I hand the guitar back to the guy and they're like, Oh, where are you going, man? We're going to do another, we're going to keep jamming. And I'm like, ah, I think I got to get going. It's late. And I get to walking up and here comes my friend down the trail. And I'm like, yeah, dude, I don't want to hang out here. If you're going to stay out. He's like, no, I don't want to hang out here either. And he was with his girlfriend and we start walking back. He starts, they both start telling me, they're like, this place creeped me out. I'm like, what? They were like, we were walking down the tracks and we kept on hearing like somebody was walking behind us. And then at one moment, Lance turned around and she turned around and they saw this black shadow go walking across the tracks. And this is right after the train came because I go, when did it happen? It goes right after the train came. It's like the whole energy changed when that train came by. Like it just – I felt it. As soon as it had roared on by after it went over the bridge, the energy changed. And and this shadow thing you saw, like like, you said it was was extremely tall. Seven foot tall, but pitch black. Pitch so there's black, the firelight, yeah. and it's like the firelight's not penetrating it. It's like a black hole. Uh-huh. Yeah, blacker than black. That's what I always say. Yeah, well, I've seen them. And so we let it go. Almost a year goes by because I think it with this dance had to been around close to Halloween. I knew it was close to Halloween. It was getting into fall. It was not warm out when I was out there. You know, I was trying to remember back to these things. But I know the night we went back out there, that I won't forget because that was November 1st. It was the day after Halloween. Uh, We decided to go out there. You want to know why? Because I had been having dreams for months and months and months. And it started out very simple. Um, Just would be this – the bridge, that train bridge. And I would see this dark figure at the end. But I wasn't scared of it in the dream. I'll, I'll tell you this, which is weird. I was fascinated. And it was calling me. I felt immense power. And um, my friend Lance and we both read a series of books by Anne Rice, like the Empire Chronicles. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it reminded me – some reason it reminded me of like the experience that people had with like, you know, like uh, Lestat's presence, you know, kind of deal. I know. Weird. Uh, well, Lance comes to me and starts telling me, I've been having these weird dreams. Like, I feel like a vampire, like from Anne Rice's novels, is communicating me. And I go, What are the dreams about? He goes, You remember that place we went to and we saw the shadow person? That was my moment of turning white. Uh, I'm like, I'm having those same dreams I have had for months. He goes, That's really weird. And this is getting close to Halloween. We were talking about this in class. And, um, we made a decision to go out there on Halloween. Well, we couldn't make it out there on Halloween, so we ended up going the night, the next night. And he brought another different girlfriend with him this time. And we go out there, we uh, and we start walking down the tracks. And I'm like, ah, this is nothing. I, that's just my imagination. Um, 
I'm like thinking in my head, if there's anything out here, you better show yourself, you know, but I don't feel anything. We start walking. When we see down, way down the end, we can see the light of a train coming. So we step off the tracks. Train goes by, roars really loud like a train does. And I've been around trains since I was a kid. I lived in a trailer park when I was a little kid that had train tracks went through there. And we always had parents, don't go near the train tracks. And, of course, we did. Um, after we went left, then the energy changed. You could feel it. It's like things got really thick. And I remember Lance's girlfriend saying, maybe we should go. And Lance ignored her and I ignored her. And we just kept on walking down the tracks. You know, we got went back with the tracks after the train left. And as we're walking down, there's – before it dips off, before that hits that bridge, there's a little area that they must put reserve of water, you know, like drain water off or something, like a, a really murky pond. And I remember looking in that murky pond and seeing a ripped up carcass of a deer floating in it. That should have been my – first warning sign bad mojo here you know i looked at that and i just got a horrible feeling and that's when lance and his girlfriend were like well maybe we should go like i want to at least go to the bridge because that's what i've been dreaming about i walk right up to the bridge but i'm too honestly i'll admit now too chicken you know what to actually step onto the bridge um and i'm standing there and i'm daring this thing in my mind to come get me Come on, show yourself. Why have you been? Why am I been dreaming about you? Why has Lance been dreaming about you? It's what I keep thinking in my head. Show yourself. Show yourself. And I've had a lot of weird experiences in my life. I feel I do believe these things can hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing. And Lance and Corey were like, "We're leaving. We're done. We're done with this. We're done." It was the deer that did it. For them. <laughs> They're like, "We're done." And they could feel – I think they could feel what I was feeling. It had totally changed after the train. And they start walking back, and I'm standing at the bridge, and Lance is like, come on. We're going to go, and you're going too. So they keep walking, and I start kind of slowly walking behind them but trailing behind them. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm leaving. If you're, if there's something – you keep coming in my dreams. What are you? What do you want? Show yourself. I dare you. Show yourself. That's what I keep thinking in my head. Lance and Corey turn around and look at me and tell me, come on, get on up. I can walk on up, but then I start trailing behind. And they're walking, and Lance turns around. She turns around, and I see both their jaws just drop. And this is a moonlit night. You know, I can see their facial expressions. And Lance is like, get up here now. And I come walking up. I'm like, what? It's all right. And he's like, no, man. And Corey's like, I just saw it. And he's like, cool. There was something that walked behind the tracks down there. The block, there's like a little blinking light. He's like, but it blinks very rapidly. You know, not rapidly, but it's like blink, blink. He's like, it blocked the blinks for a good whole other seconds. It was like a mass of something that went by and blocked those lights for a good amount of time. And it scared the crap out of them. Because I remember them standing there staring like, like that long, you know, like what is going on? like staring at it. And then it's when he yelled at me to come on up and then they kind of work walking faster. And I'm still kind of dragging behind thinking the same thoughts in my head. Like, come on, that's nothing. Show me, really show me yourself being real stupid. Lance turns around and Corey turned around again, realizing I'm not behind them. And this time she kind of lets out a yelp and he just goes, Oh my God. And grabs me by the arm and they take off running. And he's about dragging me down the tracks with him running. And he's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, what is going on? Like they're messing with me. You know, we get in the car and they're both like 
going, oh my God, oh my God, did you see it? Oh my God. I'm like, settle down, both of you. What? And they're like, and they, what I got out of them is that last time they turned around, that same black mass was a lot closer this time, and they saw it rear up above me. They're talking like eight or nine feet above, you know, taller than me. Rear up, this whole black mass come up behind me. So that's when they were like, that's, you know, he panicked, grabbed me, and it ran. At that point, I started to get a little freaked out. And I started feeling like, okay, what did I do? <laughs> uh, remember, I was eight, at this point, I was 18 and um, young, you know, make stupid mistakes. And I, I think that that mistake of tempting it out there and saying, come on, come get me, even though I didn't vocalize it, was just enough to give this thing permission. I think all three of us just going out there and poking it gave it permission to mess with all of us. But I think it, it messed with me the worst because I really did. I had a feeling this thing was with me as we drove. Like I could feel it. That, that negative feeling I felt after the train still wasn't going away. And I'm like, it's just your imagination. It's just they freaking you. You're freaking yourself out. They're freaking you out. They drive me back to my house. It's late at night. You know, it's probably like 12:31 a.m. And uh, I'm like, hey, you guys want to go get some coffee? You know, there's a late truck stop open. Let's go. <laughs> you know, I don't want to go home alone. They're like, no, we're going home. I'm like, oh man. So I get out of the car, they drive away, and I still have this heavy, just bad feeling. I opened my parents' door. My parents slept like the dead. They didn't hear it. Once it was past, you know, 10 o'clock at night, they were out, and they were out. I could always sneak out of the house and sneak in, and they never knew. Sorry, Mom. Sorry, Dad. Um, the house is completely pitch dark, of course, when I go in there. And I, I set my keys down on the table, the kitchen table, which is right near my uh, bedroom door. And I go in my bedroom, I close my door and hurry up, flip on my light because I'm still feeling like this heaviness, this darkness. Uh, and as soon as I flip on my light and I close my door, I hear the sound of my keys on that kitchen table lift up and get placed back down. I'm like, it was like instant at the moment I closed my door. I'm like, I didn't hear my dad and mom get up. And I didn't, I was really thinking my dad, my mom didn't get up for nothing. Um, Maybe my dad might. So I thought, well, maybe it's my dad. And I sat there and listened to see if I could hear anything else because I'm like shaking a little bit. I'm a little bit scared. I'm like, why did I hear my keys just get lifted up and placed back down? And the next thing I know, I hear what sounds like my refrigerator door, which is in the kitchen, right? right, Not that far from my bedroom. Open. I go, oh, it must be my dad. He doesn't usually get up for late night snacks. Maybe that's what he's doing. And I was going to open the door to say, hey, what's up, dad? And I open the door, and I swear, as soon as I open the door, I could see just the hint of light from the refrigerator, and it closed. But there's no one there. I'm like, okay, shut my door, lights on for the rest of the night. I'm freaked out. That is the beginning of a four month period of this thing messing with me. It started out. See, this is a long story. I don't. I want to. There's a lot I want to get to about this, and I would love to hear other people's shadow person experiences. Um, I've always been fascinated. I wouldn't listen to your shadow person uh, episode you did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of time when people do see shadow people, it's not with this that I dealt with. It's it's usually spirit, and it can show in a dark form. Mm-hmm. Something different about this experience, and I'm going to try to wrap it up because a lot of it, I mean, even in that 50 pages I put in Microsoft's book, there's a lot I don't put in there because it's too personal. 
because that's what this thing does. It started out with little dreams where this, like the dreams I was having, it beckoned me out. But this time it was coming to me in my room and I would be paralyzed. I couldn't move and it would slowly hover over me. And there's a voice I would hear in my head. And the best thing I can describe it, and it still creeps me out, even though I think he's the best Joker around, was Mark Hamill's Joker's voice mm-hmm. and laugh. From, That's from what Batman, this the cartoon. Sim- from Batman, the Ant miniseries. Mm-hmm. More evil than that, less humor, <laughs> you know, yeah. just twisted. And I could hear this voice in these dreams. And I looked at him as dreams at first, the paralyzation and everything as I was dreaming, you know. But this scene would take me and show me things. And this went on for a couple months, and it would show me friends talking behind my back. It would show me things about my past that I cannot talk about from my childhood that are disturbing things to me. And it like knew everything about me. So I, I looked at these at first as just I'm having messed up dreams, you know. But I felt this conscious entity, and it wasn't every night at first. It was uh, you know one a week, and then it started happening more frequently. Yeah, and whenever you you go into that state, I'm sorry to, to interject here, but yeah. I, I I tell people all the time that I, I get people that'll tell me about dreams. Um, a lot of times you're not dreaming; you're out of your body, yeah. and yeah. you're you're in a different state of consciousness. And sometimes when you return to your body, you have no recollection. Sometimes you remember it, but it's foggy because there's a great get gulf there between us and the other side. So you know, when you return, you don't really remember it all. But I mean, the reason the reason I went out there is those dreams that would take me to that bridge and that entity always start out with flying, flying mm-hmm. dreams, and then you could feel the power of flying through the air. And this scene did that to me now in the in after that encounter. But it would rip me out of my body and drag me through the air and mm-hmm. fly me to places and show me. And it was like flying, so it was like this immense power. And at first, I was fascinated by it the first couple of dreams. But then I started to get scared of it, especially the first part. How it always started with seeing this thing hovering over me while I can't move in my bed. It showed me things like it showed me my cat dying before it did die mysteriously. It showed my band members talking behind my back, gonna boot me out which happened. It showed my girlfriend cheating on me, you know, kissing this other guy in a parking lot at their work in his car. I didn't know what car he drove. When I saw the car and that's the car he drove, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get freaked out. And I started questioning her, like, what's going on? What's going on? And then she broke up with me. And then she revealed to me, she's like, I ended up kissing another guy. I go, was this in the parking lot of your work with? And I named him. She goes, yeah. I go, Late at night, you're under the street light. She goes, yeah, were you there? I go, in a sense. <laughs> this thing wanted to hurt me any way it could. And it laughed at me every time. It always had this hor- – that's why I think of the Joker. It had this hor- horrible <clears throat> laugh. Why do you think it was? Why was it trying to hurt you? It. This is why I tell this – I wanted to get into this because when we get into like – I really love the Beware the Dog story mm-hmm. uh, episode you did and other instances, not just black dogs. It's, it, it all has to do with entities and what I, I, I think are parasitic. Mm-hmm. I believe this scene fed off my misery and my fear. It wanted me to feel all alone and it wanted me to be scared. And it wanted me to feel I was the worst person in the world and I deserved to die. And so did others. 
it, it, it wanted me to do either bad things to myself or bad things to others. And this started happening almost every night, about two months in. And I broke down and told my friend Lance. He was my best friend at the time. And he got a little bit white. He goes, I've been having horrible nightmares, but I always sum it up. He had night terrors. I knew before this incident, he suffered from night terrors. So he just summed it up as, as my night terrors have returned. But when I started telling him what this thing was doing and showing me, he was going through the same thing. It showed him his girlfriend wanting to leave him. It told him things he shouldn't know and, and it was messing with him in the same way. So we're like, we're both sharing dreams again. Like it, we're both encountering this thing in our dreams. The same entity too. Yeah. Wow. And, 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 you, and started, the only look you had at it was just that it was dark, shadowy, just a dark, shadow shadow figure. It's a void of any light in the mm -hmm. dreams part. Now we started, then things got really weird. Did you, um, did you ever go to a city? Like, like, like uh, oftentimes I've been there many times. I call it the city of night because I have no other name for it. But I've talked to many, many people um, on the second episode of the Lura Ketchledge interviews. It's in the 30s. I don't know if it's 38 and 39 or whatever of my show. Yeah. If you go there, it's it's got like the least views of any show, which is weird. But yeah. I mean, because it, it, it's one of the, I think, one of the best because – we talk about the city of night and what goes on there. And, and I had this uh, dream. Well, I don't, it's, it wasn't a dream, but it was an, an experience that I shared with a friend of mine. And and he was going there. And I think that people that are of the living that go there, they're being used as human batteries. And it's always dark there. And the only light is this real dim yellowish light, which isn't really a street light. I don't know what it is. It's just... But everybody there is like, uh, you know how they say NPCs, like non-playable characters are just kind of zombied yeah. out, walking around. And you can tell who's of the living and who's of the dead. I think it's a type of purgatory, if you want to call it that. Really? No, I've not been there. Yeah. But wow, anyway, I just was curious about that because the, and there are a lot of weird entities in that in that place. And I don't know, you know, I've seen... Well, you wonder where these things come from. And with me and you talk about other realities and dimensions, mm -hmm. and that's how I perceived the possibility of this thing. I've never called it a demon. I'm not Christian per se, even though I do believe in Jesus Christ and I believe in his, you know, a lot of the teachings are very fundamental uh, and are very spiritual for people from a certain perspective. Uh, but I don't refer to it as a demon. I think it felt alien to me and that's a whole other story in itself. Um, but maybe it is a demon. I, I'm willing to accept, you know, under a judo Christian, idea this thing is a demon i guess I, I just don't like to quantify things i don't know what this thing is and i just want answers and by quantifying it as a demon well that's the final answer well that isn't enough for me and not everything it's, is a demon either that's another problem right. that i have with the basic you know like just everything's a demon here's a demon there's a demon everywhere a demon you know demon it, yeah it gets <laughs> like really would really always say on paranormal state yeah everywhere they took it demon oh <laughs> I mean, if you look at if you look at uh, like to the Muslims, everything is jinn, and if you look at the, the Christians, yeah. everything's a demon. And the the jinn are a very specific race of beings. You know, they were made of smokeless flame, according to and they were made after the creation of man. Yeah, unlike and, and demons, were came before the creation of man, which it, I always find interesting. It's weird, yeah, and and but but a lot of Christians, I believe, make the mistake of calling demons fallen angels, and they're not. Fallen angels is fallen angel, uh, uh, rebellious angels, and then fallen angels, two different things. And then there's demons, which are of the Nephilim bloodline, and they are the spirits of the Nephilim. And the book of Enoch talks about it. And 
a lot of Christians just can't grasp that. When you try to talk to them, they get you get into that deep water. They get kind of scared and, well, I don't know about all that, you know, of course. And then <laughs> I, I know some Christians, including, including my dad, who's one. I got who, a guess for you then. <laughs> well, Dr. Joy Pugh, Dr. Joy Pugh, I'm going to hook you up. Well, I can tell you, I, I tell you what, I, I mean, it, it's, you know, my dad is one of those people who professes to be a Christian, but doesn't want to hear anything spiritual at all. So I don't know how that works. I don't know how that even, how do you wrap It works your for a lot of people. It? Yeah, I mean, I, 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 more I, people I, than you think. How does that work, though? I mean, because you're not. It's it, it. We are spirits having a physical experience, not the other way around. And, and and when you come out of your body, that's your natural state. I mean, I, I guarantee yeah. it. That's what it is. And when in yeah. the end, you'll see it. And and what's really fascinating to me is how many people just really buy into this whole physical life, and and they invest everything in it. And it's it's a sucker's deal because this isn't where it's at. You know, and, and those entities, though, and like we talked about it, I believe come from a higher dimension. Now, if you took like a, a two-dimensional character, talked about this in my live stream, and, you know, we, like say, Jason, you drew a picture of a stick figure and a wheel in front of him. All that stick figure could see is that that wheel is just like a line to it. It's just a line. Right. It doesn't see anything beyond that. We can see everything about this two-dimensional person's world. Um, three dimensional, that's what we are. The fourth dimension could do, you know, hypothetically could do the same thing to, to, to us that we could do to, it could manipulate, it could, it could make, you know, everything look weird and distorted because they're from a higher uh, vibrational plane. And that's what they do. They, and they, and they play games because they're able to see everything and the, about our world, you know, like exactly. watching a movie and we can't, we don't know. And, and when you leave your body uh, without, and uh, which I have, um, without it, without trying, it is a freaky, scary experience. Especially when you have your three dimensional consciousness, and you're going like, "Whoa, what the heck? What what's going on here?" And you're cognizant that you are now in another realm. Um, that's the really scary part. It happened to me once when I was 11, and it happened to me again, you know, throughout my life. But and I'm not going to get into all that because you know you're you're, you're telling your experiences, but I'm telling the audience, you know, this is what's going on. So Jason is encountering yeah. this entity, which is very parasitic, obviously, and it's also uh, evil. And you can call it a demon, you can call it a you know a traveler, or a, a, you know, a whatever, a wandering spirit. Um, and they're not all on the same team. I mean, that's something that you know my great my great my friend uh, Britton Sawin. We didn't necessarily agree on that. I, I didn't agree with it. He said the devil didn't divide his kingdom. I said the devil didn't have a choice because evil by its very nature is not loyal. So it doesn't, it doesn't, they don't work together. You know, that's why yeah. good always triumphs because good sticks together and does what's right, does the loyal thing, whatever. Um, and, and demons and, and, and fallen angels and whatever, not whatnot that have rebelled to me, in my personal opinion, they, they don't they don't work together. A lot of them just do what their own thing. They're always doing their own thing. And that's why they are what they are. And this thing was not playing by any rules. It was attacking you. And it was you and it was your pain, your suffering, your sorrow was its food. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Mm -hmm. Now, when we both admitted this to each other, we also found out Corey was having some problems too. The girl that was with us the second night we went out, you know, the second time we went out there and this thing followed us, it started messing with her. I found out that night she, it screwed up, not, you know, I don't know how to say this, it screwed up her menstrual cycle. She started it way early that night. 
and she didn't want to talk about it to me. She told Lance, you know, and he told me, and then she was having problems. She even passed out in class at once. Uh, yeah, it was getting her during the day. It was getting me during the day. That's when it's see after we admitted it, then it started physically showing to itself while we were awake. No, oh, yeah. I would see it started, you know, like the corner of your eye. You know, people see shadows out of the corner of your eye. Well, we'd see it out of the corner of your eye, but I'd start seeing it like for a second in front of me. Yeah, full on. Yeah, full on. Or I'd I turn off my lights to go to bed, and I'd see it standing in the corner. Oh god. You know, and Jason, uh, you, you, one time. Go ahead. Sorry. I say one of the times I was, uh, I started smoking <laughs> and my mom was a respiratory therapist. You know, I, I was always like the kid to tell me, ah, smoking's bad. Well, this stuff drives you to smoke. <laughs> and, um, I was, sm- I'm not to blame the shadow person on my smoking, but still I had anxiety issues obviously before that. Um, I went outside in the middle of the night to smoke a cigarette and, and like right outside my parents' bedroom. Isn't that the smartest? <laughs> I'm right outside my bedroom in how, their bedroom. How old were you? Oh, uh, well, you know, I was 18. Well, that's when you make the best decisions. And when, when you're right? 18, you know everything. So that's the great, that's yeah. the best time ever. Uh, so I'm out, and my mom had already caught me once. So, um, But I'm outside smoking a cigarette in the middle of the night because I couldn't sleep. I was starting to suffer severe insomnia. Like, I just was not going to go to sleep. This thing was the only way I could avoid this thing was to not go to sleep. And I started thinking about the Freddy Krueger movies I was obsessed with when I was a kid. I'm like, am I putting myself through the exact scenarios that we watched the, you know, when I was, you know, fascinated by Freddy Krueger? Is this some kind of like reverse, like, you know, psychosis I'm doing to myself? The only thing that kept me sane is knowing that my friend Lance was having the same experiences. If I was totally alone in this, I might have lost it. Um, but I'm staying out in the woods, or staying out in the woods, but I'm standing out in my parents' yard, and it's, it's surrounded by swamp and woods where they're at. This is Indiana, not Louisiana, but where they live, it's kind of a swampy area. There's a creek and a lake there. It makes it pretty swampy. Uh, but I'm standing in the yard, smoking a cigarette, and I start to get that same feeling. I, I would always know when this thing was coming because it's the same feeling I would get out in the tracks. It's just this heaviness. Like it des- you feel hopeless. I don't like it. It sucks. It just you feel like all the energy go from you and just complete hopelessness. Like just the worst feeling you could have is like how this is this kind of heaviness. I started feeling it. I'm like, oh great, great, great. I need to go inside. I need to go inside. I'm trying to down my cigarette, and I look. I start to turn to look to go back to my parents' porch to sneak back inside. And as I do, I see this figure step out of the woods. Now there's a fence there. Where it's stepping out of, and there's no way it could, anybody could walk from the back end of their yard because it's like creek and swamp. You could die. Like my dad actually almost died in that that creek. He sank. There's like quicksand there. Um, and this scene, so it would have had to either gone from the other person's yard, if it was a person, and walk climbed over to the fence. But there was no noise. I was like, what am I seeing here? I'm like, it's. I realize I'm looking at the shadow person, but this time I'm fully seeing it step out of the woods, and I'm saying it's about 50 feet from me from where it's stepping out, and it's just walking like a person, but no noise. But this time it's 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 almost like the seven foot tall that I saw. Sometimes this thing would appear to me like regular human height. I'm just going to lay that out now. It wasn't always tall when it appeared in my bedroom, so I don't know if I always dealt with the same thing, but it was always the same voice. So maybe it shape shifts. I don't know. But when this thing stepped out, its head was a bit weird. It was a little more – it was elongated a little bit, just a little bit on the top. And I swear I'm looking at somebody. And remember I told you the Freddy Krueger thing? Like it read my mind is what I thought at that moment. 
because I was thinking about all of it, of course. My fear's pumping up. I'm like, what am I, you know, because I'm thinking, how am I going to go to sleep? I'm just going to stay up all night. I'm not dealing with this thing. And I thought about Freddy Krueger. Well, this scene steps out and it has the fedora hat shape like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I'm, I, I'm like, I'm like, the cigarette's literally hanging in my mouth and the ash is getting long. I don't know how long I stood there froze. I could not move. I was frozen in place. And this thing walks right up to me. It gets in with about a couple feet of me and just stands there and stares at me. But it's pitch black. There's there's not much light. There's no moonlight at this time. So it's not much light, just a little bit from the sky and stars and a light that's from a neighbor's yard. But I could just make it out. I'm like, am I imagining this? I can't move. I'm so scared. I'm like shaking. And the cigarette's just hanging from my lips. I can't even grab, reach up to take the cigarette and put it out. And then it just turns around, no noise, and walks right back into the woods. And basically what I felt like it was trying to tell me is I can get you at any time. Have you You're thought mine. that maybe that was like the hat man? Because that, that's, that's also – I didn't know about the hat man at that yeah. time. What okay. about now? Though? What do you not, think? Now when I started later listening to Art Bell. Around that time, I, you know, after this kind of this stuff went out, I'd spend my nights of sleeplessness listening to Art Bell late at night. And I started <laughs> hearing this. And I didn't hear the shadow person stuff until after the experience was over with. Um, I'd heard I'd, I'd listen to Art Bell in 90, starting in 96 once in a while when I'd like cruise around my parents' neighborhood smoking cigarettes <laughs> in my van, you know, or smoking other things, you know. Uh, I'd listen to Art Bell and go home and go to bed. But uh, after this whole experience ended, I was like a late nighter all the time listening to him. And then I started hearing about Shadow People on his show and eventually Hatman. And I was just, you know, I was hooked, you know, like I want to hear everybody's experiences. Nobody's experience ever matched right up to mine except for what they saw, you know. Um, like I said, there's a lot of synchronicities in this I haven't even got to yet. I told you this is kind of a long story, and I'm making it somewhat short. And if anybody wants the full, as best detail as I can give about it, Mike Ricksecker's book, Paranormal Encounters Volume 2, I wrote it all out. Um, like I said, I've seen this scene full on. Lance and Corey were seeing it full on with their eyes. They're all both starting to really freak out. Lance and Corey started getting into New Age stuff. They started looking for New Age conventions they could go to, like – uh, they went and did Reiki healing, and they and I think for Corey, the Reiki healing she felt helped her. She also was. They were also doing this whole thing where they were, felt they were both met on the Titanic in past lives. They were getting way into it, you know. And I wasn't at that time, uh, but they were just looking for answers. I'm not trying to joke on them. They were looking for answers. I mean, Lance had a psychic tell him he was always wearing this little. Um, necklace that had this like p emblem in it and somebody told him that's a bad thing you don't want to wear that that will track evil spirits he stopped wearing that and he felt the shadow person's experiences ended for him after that that's a little later on um but they were going through it trying to find answers too i was kind of starting to isolate like i wouldn't even talk to them because i i i really was losing my mind I, my mom found me at one point in my room just sobbing and she was worried. She didn't know what was going on. I felt like I couldn't tell her. If I told her, she's going to think I was crazy. Even though she'd had some weird experience and stuff, this was going way beyond that. You know, no, everybody's going to look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, and I, and because of how personal it was, I just I couldn't. I didn't want to tell people what this thing was showing me and telling me to do. People were going to think I was a danger. So I felt like I had no one to talk to. And my, my, my mom saw it as well, his girlfriend and band broke up. The cat died. <laughs> you know, all these things bad happened. Like bad luck. 
Um, so my mom looked at it as he's just going through a real rough time. You know, this girl that he was totally in love with in high school broke his heart and his band that he'd spent all this time on was gone. You know, so she, I, I could see what she could see. That was what was going on. I don't blame her for not really realizing how bad things were. Um, but she did make me go see a psychologist. And uh, I I promised her I'd go because she was so worried. And what do you tell a guy? What do you tell him? You tell him you're seeing shadows? They're telling you to do bad things to yourself or others or hurt people? You don't. You don't. So I tried to tell him you know, about my girlfriend breaking up and all the other issues. I didn't really tell him about the shadow person. I couldn't. There's no way. How do you talk about somebody about the this thing? So I was self-isolating even more after that psychologist's experience because I felt like I, I, I couldn't talk to him. I, and he's a professional. I, I can't talk to anyone. I'm, I'm all alone in this. And that's the worst state for somebody in this kind of experience to be in. And that's what it wants, I think, is you to feel alone and be alone. I don't think it liked it when we compared notes. It didn't want that. And that's why it started showing itself and being more dominant. Because just us saying, oh, we're both going through this gave us a little more strength and it had to fight that. And that's when I think it got really aggressive. When they get For me, really, oh, okay, go ahead. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. Things came to a halt about four months in when one night, you know, I, I get a call from Lance and he says, I need you to come over and I need you to come over now. My dad wants to talk to you. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I was always scared of his dad. You know, I was like, uh, why? What do we do? He's like, I'm not going to talk about it. You just need to come over now. And and so this is your friend's dad? Yeah. Yeah. And, and what did he say? I'm like, well, so I, the, the, the interesting thing is right before I walk into their door, I get there, I go up to their door and their house was haunted, by the way. I should stipulate this. There's a whole other good ghost story involved with the first night I ever spent there. <laughs> they have a really, I have a really creepy story on that. But um, so these people were familiar with the paranormal in a sense. They live in a, a house that was haunted by a, a, a crying baby that would wail mm. at night. And everyone heard it in the house except for his sister who slept in the room where the baby cried. <laughs> That's oh, a whole other story. Yeah, yeah, I heard it. I heard it. I was there for one of the nights, my first night I ever slept there. But anyways, anyways, so these people were open-minded to this stuff. I'm going to just stipulate that now for people like, oh, no parents would be like this. Um, I get to their front door and I go to grab the handle and I feel it. I feel the presence. And I turn and look to my right like I just knew right where it was. And it's there like you're up you know, you walk up the steps. It's there in the bushes like – the bushes are going through it, but it's standing there and it's figures like looking right at me. And then Lance's dad opens the door. And like, he's like, come on into the kitchen. I'm like, Oh God, what did we do? And I just saw this thing. And I go to Lance. I just saw that the shadow person out your front door. He's like, hold, hold on. Come to find out Lance starts telling me and his dad's just sitting at the table, giving me this like stern look and his mom's there. He goes, I told my dad everything. I'm like, what do you mean everything? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm telling him. He's like, I can't take it anymore. This thing's been messing with me. And uh, he told it. He broke. He, he had like I broke down. My mom found me crying. He had his moment where he just lost it. And his parents were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he tells him about us going out to the tracks and something calling us out there. And he doesn't even get to finish his story. And his dad got really white. Well, a lot of people pale, going pale in my story here. But uh, his dad turned white. Because the night we were out there, because his dad goes, what night did this happen? And he goes, it was the day after Halloween. His dad's like freaked 
out because that night, that same night that we were out on those train tracks, not far from there, his dad was at a bar and he had sat down to get a drink and sitting there next to him was this guy. It was kind of like a, I don't think he was homeless, but everybody saw him go around town all the time with a, he always had a radio with him, like one of those beatboxes, but he was old. I don't know if he was homeless or not, but his dad was familiar with him, seeing him in town. He gets his drink and he goes, I don't know why I did this. And he, he's telling me the story of what, what's going on because he's like, this is why I brought you here. He goes, I don't know why I asked this guy this. But I suddenly look up to him. I go, you remember those kids out behind suburban lanes 30 years ago that got killed by the train? The guy turns, looks at him. He's got the radio sitting on top of his uh, – on the bar. He goes, yeah, one of them was my daughter. Oh, Wow. And Lance's dad's like gulps, you know, <laughs> like, like he goes, I'll buy him a drink, bought him a drink, paid his bill and left, freaked him out. He's like, I don't know why I said that. I don't know how, why I knew I, I didn't know that was his daughter. Maybe he was messing with me, but he would looked at me like he wanted to murder me for asking. I didn't know about kid. I didn't know people had been killed out on that bridge where that train was when we went out there. I never knew that history. Neither did Lance. How did they die? So it's more than thirty years ago now. I'm talking fifty years ago, um, and they're not the only ones. But three kids or so. I've been thirty years. Uh, we're talking nineteen fifties, sixties. Three kids were playing out, I guess, on that bridge. That that train track bridge. There's another set of train tracks that go under it. So it's like its own crossroads, right? Mm-hmm. The cross tracks. Um, all they know is they found their body parts all over. Oh, wow. Nobody can figure out why all three got hit by the train. Nobody can figure out why they couldn't see or hear the train coming. It's quite a long distance. You can see it coming. I've been there enough now to see how long it takes. All we can think of is – all the theories is one kid got a shoe maybe caught in the bridge or something like that or they tried to run for it. They got down the bridge and didn't take their time or weren't paying attention or somebody got their shoe or tripped and one of the, they both tried to help and they all three got killed. Nobody knows. All they had was body parts. Mm. They weren't the only ones. Uh, another little boy in the I think probably 80s, late 80s was walking home from his the uh, middle school. I know that little boy he was probably like – 11 or 12 uh, I was walking home and somehow he he would take the train tracks part of the way home and then hit a trail and go back to the like kind of the poor part of the town that he lived in he was a black uh, young 12 year old kid all they did is they found body parts of him too years later years later I also found out more uh, a girl another girl I was dating it was actually it wasn't years later it was like a year later a year later I was dating this girl and I didn't tell the whole story to her and her mom, but they knew I was into the weird and the ghost and her mom was really fascinated by it and wanted to talk to me about it. And, and her mom just loved me to death. So I felt comfortable. I figured I could tell her anything. This woman literally wanted her daughter to marry me. She would like buy gifts and say, I bought it for her daughter, daughter for wow. me. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, yeah, she loved me. So I felt a little comfortable telling her and I kind of told her the experience. And the reason this all came up because my, uh, I had come into her apartment and I go, did somebody commit suicide in this apartment or nearby? She goes, the apartment next door. She goes, how do you know that? I'm like, I, I just know. I'm not psychic people, but I have psychic experiences. And sometimes I just know things. Mm-hmm. I drink a lot and then I know things, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a lot of coffee, actually. I can't stand al- alcohol. Um, 
so I tell her the parent the shadow person experience and uh, she goes, where was this? And I go behind suburban lane. She, she got tears in her eyes on this. She goes, I lost a good friend there on those tracks. She had talked to him that night. He died. It was a, a friend of hers. He just got a new job, had a good relationship that he had been in in a couple months with a girl. But for some reason, after she got off the phone with him hours later, they say he drank too much, went up to those train tracks, laid his head on the tracks, and the train ran him over. And she's like, I can, they ruled it a suicide or accident, you know, or accidental death. Um, but she's like, I can't believe either. And I definitely don't believe suicide. I talked to him that night. He was great. He was doing great. And his house was right there. His house was right by those tracks. He had to walk through his backyard, over the fence, up the hill, and literally lay his head down on the tracks. The end- so that's five people I know that died in that, that spot. And what do and you, I've heard there's more. And, and what and what are your what is your opinion? I mean, I mean not not what you so heard or whatever. What I still I will tell people right now I have theories. I have no solid knowledge of what I dealt with in those four months, and I haven't even told you how it ended yet. Let's get to that first. After Lance's dad told me this story, I think this is why I saw it right at the front door. It did not want me to know this stuff. It did not want me to know. They would think it would because it caused more fear. Or maybe it did want me to know, and that's why it, not long after that, this thing went on a full attack on me. It was not long after I was told this, maybe a few days. I was The whole scenario plays out again. This thing's hovering over me. I'm paralyzed in my bed. I feel like I'm awake, but I can't move. And it starts to try to rip me out of my body again to go on a, one of its magical rides where it's going to show me some memory of my past or something that I don't know about or how somebody's, you know, looks upon me as completely worthless. That's what it would do. And I was fighting it. I was fighting it this time. Like, you're not going to take me. You're not going to take me. And I start to, I feel my body start to rise up. I can feel, I feel my back leave the back of my bed. Like I'm just floating in air and I, I, I can't move, but I can see my ceiling getting closer and it gets so close. I feel the tip of my nose. I like the kind of like stucco on your ceiling, touch it. Like I felt it. And I hear this thing laugh really loud and just drop me back on the bed. I still can't move. I'm like stiff as a board, you know, and bouncing on the bed and I cannot move. Even after that, it does it again. I, this time faster, I rise up. And it throws me back down, and it's this horrid, wretched – like I said, it's eviler than Mark Hamill's Joker laugh. It picks me up a third time. I come up to that ceiling. It's laughing, about ready to throw me down, and I just – all I can think of is, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Please, God, help me. I can't talk. I can't – my mouth won't move. I'm paralyzed. And I'm like, God, please help me. God, please help me. And next thing you know, there's a flash of light. I get thrown down back on the bed again, but this time I have my body back and I bounce off the bed this time onto the floor. And as I come up, the best way I can describe what I see next is it reminded me of a movie that frightens the hell out of me is The Exorcist. Is You remember when they exercise a demon and you see it retch up in the shining light? Mm-hmm. That was pretty similar to what I saw actually. <laughs> this thing, I see the shadow screech up in the, the orange lights near my window outside, but it's pitch black dark out. But it's like a bright light coming from my window, and this thing screeches at it, horrid, like painful screech, and is vapped, gone. And I'm like frozen there as I saw that. I'm a hair on my back, my neck, standing up on this. 
and out of it, this older man steps out wearing suspenders, a white shirt, and like, you know, denim kind of like pants. It's like, maybe it's dark. I can't totally see. And he kind of looks at me like, gives me like this stern look, but I feel love, like just immense, like the room the, 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 is the direct opposite of the energy of this being. Like I, 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 the, if this is the love of God that I just prayed to, and I never had prayed to before at that point, this is when I became a believer in a divine being or, you know, a divine source or God. I'm not, a, you know, I've never subscribed to any religion, but I believe in the light at the end of the tunnel, you could God say, the creator, because of source. this experience, because I, I had asked for God's help. I'm like, God help me. That was my thoughts. I was screaming it in my head. That's all I could think to do. And that's what ended it. And this man that stepped out, looked at me with a stern look. Like I, he didn't wave his finger at me, but that was the feeling, the image I got in my head. Like, you, you know, don't mess with these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't learn. I didn't totally learn my lesson out of that, obviously, but I, 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 I'm a lot more cautious. And he just walks right back into the light and it's gone and it's all over. Now, I, I didn't get into the full details of how this went down because this thing toyed with me before the whole levitation happened. There was a whole experience before that when it was paralyzing me where I thought I was walking and going to my parents' room and telling them that I'm being attacked. And then it would just laugh and bring me right back to my body. It did these kind of things to me constantly. And it did it right before it levitated me. I forgot it did do that. Um so these were that was the rant that was how these thing, this thing loved to torture me like make me think I was awake and I was getting help and then ah no uh, so I thought that was I was going to have that experience that did come to mind after I fell off the bed and I saw this I was like is this just another sick joke by this thing is is it over is this truly over but I, I kind of knew it was because that just that never felt that immense love that feeling and the only thing I can describe it now is like the love I have for my children. And that's going to be a wrap for this week, folks. Tune in next week, same time, same place, for the second part of the conversation with Jason Bland from Paranormal Suit. Until then, good night.